we have much to be grateful for today, don't we? It's hard for us to comprehend the absolute power there is in the blood of Christ. Not only does it wash away my sin and my iniquity, the day I fall on my face before him and everything that I've ever done is blotted out, but everything I ever will do comes underneath the same precious blood. He didn't just pay the price for my sins in the past, but for my sins today, tomorrow. And hopefully, he's growing in my life that the application of the blood needs to be fewer and fewer in my days going forward than it was in my days behind. But it's still the same blood that covers my sin. Sometimes we get caught in the trap of thinking, yes, Jesus died and paid the price of my sin, and now I'm responsible to make sure that I'm good enough to get in. Doesn't matter what you do, you'd never be good enough. It all comes by the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amen? Aren't you glad he paid it all? Jesus paid it all for you and I. We're going to be celebrating communion together uh, at the end of the service. And uh, then we're going to sing together a new song that the whole team's got that's leading up to, to the day after tomorrow, to Sunday. Amen? But I would just like you to stretch your hands out today, and I want you to, to ask God to enable you to receive from his word today. Father, we come here today, and we are looking to your scripture today. We want to understand what was accomplished on the cross for our behalf. We ask you, Lord, to bring understanding. We ask you, Lord, to help us to give us fresh understanding of what Jesus did on the cross, the covenant written with his blood, how it changed not just my future, but the future of the entire planet. And Father, we thank you so much for all that you have done and all that you're doing and all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you so much, worship team. I have only one announcement. As our folks from our house are aware, we have a two-week money match campaign on for the Philippines. We've committed to purchasing a van, $40,000 for the Baileys in the Philippines. And we had someone who was, said, I'll, I'll match every dime up to $20,000 over the next two weeks. So last week we, we announced it and we, and we had a great response. We had $7,700 come in last week already. Amen? That means that uh, if you're not going to be here on Sunday, yeah, you can give the Lord praise for that. Amen? So if you're not going to be here on Sunday, you can give it today. If you're going to be here on Sunday, bring it in on Sunday and know that if you give $10, it's $20. If you give $100, it's $200. If you give $500, it's $1,000. You understand. And, uh, and so we had someone come in this week said, I can give $1,000. It's going to be $2,000. I said, that's right. I said, good. I'll do it. And, uh, you know, uh, just know that you can do that. And then we're just hoping to be able to celebrate together that it's done. How many know Jesus said on the cross, it's finished. He paid the price on the cross. No more needed to be paid. But unfortunately, missions works by money too. So we need your help. It's not finished until you finish with us. Amen. And so uh, if you could help us out with that, I think it's an exciting opportunity. We're, excited, and we're just blessed to be able to participate. And that is going to be taken up on Sunday. Also, Sunday is a baptism Sunday. 
man, oh man, I love baptism Sundays. And uh, so at the end of the service, we're going to be baptizing people uh, in, their, in the faith with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so how many you know how it looks here at Desert Stream? We have a beautiful fiberglass cattle trough that gets set up here at the front. And, uh, and people, we, we don't have a swimming pool or anything else that we can help you out with, but it's a big trough. And so no matter how big you are, we can, we can get you under the water. So uh, if you've never been baptized before and you're walking in faith with the Lord, you say, I, I, think, I think I need to do that Sunday. Then you come and talk to myself or Pastor Mark. Mark, wave at everybody. You come and talk to one of us after the service and we'll get you in. My daughter's sitting there going, Dad, but you already made up some blank ones for me, dear. So we're good. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> And we're excited about uh, the people that are being baptized tomorrow. It's going to be a fantastic, or on Sunday, it's going to be a fantastic day. Well, you know, today is Good Friday. And, uh, but whose idea was it to call it good? I mean, think about that. The mobs who are chanting for Jesus' death might have considered it good. Barabbas might even have considered it good because they passed on him and they crucified Jesus. So he might have thought it's a Good Friday. The Jewish leaders who didn't like what Jesus taught and didn't like what he was putting out and uh, who finally got their way and had him arrested. They might have considered it a Good Friday, but they're not the ones that called it Good Friday either. The Roman rulers who executed Jesus, who did something finally that these Jewish rebels, these upstarts that they were trying to, uh, you know, dominate, uh, finally appeased them. And so the, you know, Roman soldiers might have said, it was a good day, it was a good day today, but they're not the ones that called it Good Friday either. The people that call it Good Friday, people that call it a day in which someone was crucified, a good day, are the people who had a revelation three days later that Jesus was the actual Son of God and the sacrifice for all mankind. They called it good because they knew it was accomplished on the cross that day. They finally had an understanding that on Good Friday, the Lamb of God was sacrificed for all humanity. The final sacrifice that needed to be paid for the sins of mankind. Good Friday is a good day. It's a good day because the one who came and died on that day is Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. Amen? Now, today I hope to give you some fresh understanding about this day. And um, today I'm going to talk, dig a little bit into some uh, cultural stuff, principles that are in the Bible that often get missed when we read the Bible through the lens of our Western civilization mindset. How many know that the, peop- the Bible was not written by Westerners? Okay? The Bible was written by people from what we would consider Eastern culture, Middle Eastern culture. And, and they have traditions and they have practices that we don't understand, that we have never had incorporated into our culture. And so we read the Bible through our lens and we miss things that are in the Bible that are so profound that they literally change everything in our perception and understanding of what took place. And today I want to talk to you about one of those principles in the Old Testament and in Eastern culture and how that applies to Good Friday and how that applies to the scriptures that we read today and what that means for you and I. What I want to talk to you about today is called the threshold covenant or the covenant of the door. Everybody say covenant of the door. 
This is the, uh, the threshold covenant. And in Eastern cultures, from India to Egypt to Israel, all right, when a host became aware that they were about to have a guest, someone very important, come to their home, what they would do is that they would prepare a blood sacrifice. And they would do that sacrifice at the threshold of their home. And they would, they would literally slaughter the animal, whether it was a dove or whether it was uh, something more costly. If the guest was somebody more important, it might be a fatted calf or a lamb. And they would, they would literally slaughter the animal on the threshold of their home. And then what would happen is that as the guest would arrive, the guest of the rot would arrive, they would see the blood and they would know that it was an invitation to them to come into their home. That the blood was a symbol of life and it was an invitation to the guest that they could come into their home. And that symbol of life was, was not to be treated lightly. The worst thing you could do then was to step on the threshold. You stepped over the threshold. All right? You never would step on the threshold because the threshold was, was sprinkled with the blood of the sacrificed animal and was the invitation to you, and by honor, you would step over it and into their home. All right? Now, this tradition, very prevalent in Middle Eastern cultures and, and even as far east as India. And uh, in Syria and Egypt, when a newcomer arrives, the blood of a slaughtered animal is shed upon the threshold of that home. And in this way, when the newcomer crosses the threshold, they're actually considered to be adopted into the family. So when you have somebody new coming in, in their tradition, they would actually symbolize being adopted into the family. In Liberia, West Africa, today a common custom among their tribes is to kill a fowl and sprinkle the blood upon the threshold when strangers enter into their home. In Russia, an honored guest is received with bread and salt after she crosses the threshold, or, she, or he crosses the threshold, and a man always crosses himself when he crosses that threshold. Why? Hmm, we don't do that in our Western interpretation of Christianity. Well, we're going to discover why. In Finland, homes are built with very high sills or thresholds. So as to discourage somebody from ever stepping on it, you step over it, all right, based on the same tradition. In Arabia, to step on the threshold rather than over it is to show contempt for your host, and it's considered to be extremely bad etiquette. Now, we don't think about it. We don't even put thresholds in most of our homes. You know, we just buy a prefab door with a, you know, good old strong metal hinges and insulated to keep the winter out and the threshold's a piece of aluminum on the bottom with a little tread thing that we often step on and do this with our foot. To somebody from the Eastern culture, they go, ah, what are you doing? You never treat the threshold with any kind of contempt or casualness. So when you cross the threshold of a home, you imply covenant with those that live within the home. So entering the house any other way, entering the house any other way brands you as a thief. Where does that sound familiar? Look, listen to what the Bible says in John chapter 10, verses 1 to 3. What did Jesus say? Most certainly I tell you, one who doesn't enter by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But one who enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Isn't that interesting? Come in any other way than through the front door, through the threshold, you're a thief. But if you're an invited guest, if you're somebody who belongs, then you come 
over the threshold. Covenants in the East have for centuries been ratified by the outpouring of blood. Now, for you and I in our Western culture, when we think of blood, we think of death, right? We have all kinds of crime scene dramas and all kinds of those types of shows out and books. And, and if there's blood somewhere, uh-oh, then somebody has died. And we always connect it to death. But in Eastern cultures, it was connected to life. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11 says very simply, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. Life. Everybody say life. Life was in the blood. And blood was a symbol of life. We think, oh, that's so gross to actually kill an animal and have someone step over it. Ew. Ew. So gross. But in their culture, it was a symbol of life. The blood represented life. And they were inviting you to be part of their life. Does everybody understand that this morning? So the blood and the threshold is representative of, the, of life. And in particular, in, the, in a home, the life of the host. And the greeting is still custom in many countries, despite all of the Western influences came to the Middle East and to Africa and various parts of the world, there's still many who practice these types of customs. And the costliness of the sacrifice, if it was a dove, then you're lowly esteemed, but if it's a fatted calf, you're highly esteemed. Does everybody follow that? And so the nature of the blood also has an impact upon the person being received. To the Eastern mind, how strong is this covenant? So strong that when someone came into your house, they were to be protected the same as your family. Helps us understand the story of Lot when he took in the angels and he protected them and, and he was willing to even sacrifice his own daughter. We look at that and we go, no, that's the most insane story in the Bible. But if you understand the Eastern tradition, you accepted this person, they crossed the threshold into your heart, into your home, then they are, are, have earned the same protection they've been adopted in his family. And when they're under your house, they're under your protection. All right? They're under your protection. Now, you're saying, well, that's fascinating. History lesson on Eastern cultures. What's that got to do with today? Well, that's what I'm going to help you with now. So Jesus, the Bible tells us, was the Passover lamb. So let's look at this custom and how it applies to Passover. I want you to pay close attention to this this morning. Let's look at the scripture. And uh, let me see. Exodus chapter 12. Exodus 12. And verse 22, 23. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin. And strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. Threshold, right, is the very bottom of the doorway. It's where the basin was. And of none of you shall go out of this door until this house, until, of this house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over, pasach in Hebrew, the door, and not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you. Does everybody remember that from the, the, the story preceding the Exodus in Hebrew culture? Well, in ancient times, it was a common practice for the king to travel throughout his land and to secure the allegiance of his subjects. And when he came to a community, all those who would receive the king into their home and whose heart was loyal to the king would practice the threshold blood covenant. They would sacrifice an animal, they would put it on the door, and the king would cross over that door into their home, be received into their home, and would know that they're loyal. 
anyone else that was not loyal was eradicated from the kingdom. In other words, the angel of death took out those who were not faithful to their kingdom. And how could the king tell which families were faithful? They were the ones who had the blood sprinkled on the doorstep. Now, I want to show you some pictures here. These are pictures, archaeological digs, of homes in, uh, in and around the Israeli, Israel area. And notice something unique about all of these homes. They have varying different sizes of bowls in the threshold. The one on the bottom right is quite large. The two of them on this one over in the bottom left, and then a smaller one on the, on the top right. And that's because they would slaughter the animal there, and literally there, there would be blood in. They would slaughter the animal right there on the threshold, and the bowl is the basin referred to in the scripture that they would take and dip their, the, the hyssop in it, and they would brush it on the lintels and the door frame. But it came from the, the bowl in the threshold. Is everybody following this? So the sacrificed blood was in the threshold. And this is important for us to, to keep in mind. So when I looked at this understanding of the threshold covenant, I saw the Passover in a whole different way than I'd ever seen it before. It actually was the opposite of what I had thought Passover meant. See, I was always under the understanding that what happened was you put the blood on your door and then the angel of death when it came by or which was sent by God would pass by your house and would not come to your house and therefore would only go to the homes where uh, there was not blood on the doorpost. But the actual truth of what this scripture is telling us is in many ways the opposite. In other words, what the scripture is telling us is that when God saw the blood on the door, he would actually pass over, he would step over the threshold, and he would come into that house. God came into the home of every Israeli that marked their door, and because God was in the house, the angel of death had to pass by. The angel of death could not come into a place that was inhabited by the Lord. And so the Passover is the process of God passing over that threshold into the home and then the angel of death having to pass over that house and go by because God was in the house. Somebody say amen. amen. And if God's in the house, and if he's entered in the house, the angel of death cannot come in and bring harm. Amen? And that's what took place in the Passover. When we looked at the doorposts and when we look at the, the lintel, it forms an interesting character. It forms that. Does everybody know what that is? That is the eighth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's called the Chet. And that letter means, that, that symbol in Hebrew culture means life. It means life. The symbol of Chet means life, and the number eight means life or means new beginning. So hear this this morning. When the doorposts were marked on the house and God came in, it represented life in the house and a new beginning for the people of Israel. And when our lives are marked by the precious blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and the threshold of our heart is marked by his blood, when God crosses the threshold and comes into our life, how many know that we're marked by God, we're marked by Christ, and the enemy has to pass by because we have been inhabited by the Lord. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 
That's fascinating. Amen? Amen. Now, we totally missed this. We read the story, we go, hey. We figured, I always pictured that the guy had a bowl outside and he was painting his doorpost. No, the, the bowl was right in the threshold. And that by the threshold covenant, by that practice, God was being invited into that home to protect that home so that the angel of death had to pass by. Hallelujah. Somebody get happy. So you understand what's happening today. When Jesus paid the price for us, when Jesus was sacrificed for every one of us, the blood was applied to our hearts, the threshold of our heart. And the blood applied to our life was an invitation for God to come in. And when God comes in, we become family. That adoption takes place. Only the beautiful thing is we get adopted into his family and he protects us rather than, you know, us adopting him into ours. Do you understand what I'm saying? The beautiful thing is that we have this incredible relationship with God where if God be for us, the Bible says, who can be against us? All because of the blood applied to our life and God is able to cross over and adopt us into his family. So awesome. Another interesting thing about the Chet is that this is just going to throw this in for free, okay? It's, uh, it's made up of two other characters in the Hebrew language. One is the Vav, and the other one is the Zayin. So the left-handed stroke is considered to be the Vav, the one that goes like that, and that can, represents male, and the other one represents female. And the one on the top, the top, the bridge across the top, that bridge is, and I'm going to try and say this, I don't know if I'm saying this right, is a chatatoris. And that chatatoris represents God. And when God is added to two lives, man and woman become new life, new beginning, as God is added and binds those two together. Isn't that powerful? Hallelujah. It's incredible, isn't it? That those symbols represent male and female. When God is added to the picture, they're bound together for life. Praise the Lord. That's for free this morning. Just thought I'd throw that in there. All right. Let's conclude this message this morning. So, which of these pictures makes more sense to you? That the Passover was God, you know, seeing blood and then passing by that house? Or does it make sense that God saw the blood and he passed into that house? He passed over into that home and set up relationship, adopted them. They became family, and the angel of death had to pass by. You see, and that's what's happened for every one of us. And there's a verse that always troubled me, and over the last number of years, um, I've been trying to understand it more deeply. And when I came across this understanding of the threshold covenant, it explained it incredibly well. And it starts at Hebrews chapter 10, and I apologize, I don't have it up on the slide. It's a long passage, but I want to close with this passage and help you understand something that's probably weighted many Christians, but this morning can set you free. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, 
for not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the, is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching, the day of his return. Now look at verse 26. This one causes a lot of Christians trouble. It says, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a, searful, seer, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. And you read that and say, wow, if I, after I understand and know about God, if I continue to sin, I'm toast? Is that what this verse is telling me? Because if so, it seems to fly in contradiction to so many other verses about God's grace. But as you read on, and, you, and, and bear in mind now what we've just learned this morning about the threshold covenant, listen to the, to the rest of it. Anyone who rejected Moses' law died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? What was the worst thing you could do in a threshold covenant was to do what? Trample or step upon the blood. Who has trampled, what does that mean? Trampled the Son of God underfoot. It means this. Counted the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace. What that verse is telling us is that the sin that would condemn us after we've accepted or had knowledge of the truth is a sin of treating with contempt the blood sacrifice of Christ and thinking somehow we could be made good enough on our own. It's to treat the sacrifice that Jesus did on our behalf. In other words, the worst thing you can do, it isn't that you, you, know, you still had a habit or an addiction after you came to Christ. No, 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 no. That's not what it's talking about at all. It's saying instead, it's that you take the things of God, the sacred, and you treat them uh, as though they were common, as though they were with contempt, and you actually step on the blood of Christ and say the blood wasn't necessary. So all those people who think that they're good enough to get to heaven are actually committing that sin. Because you're not good enough. Only the blood of Jesus, only the blood of Jesus is sufficient for us to make it. Only the blood of Jesus can pay the price for my sin. Nobody's good enough on their own. Doesn't matter how good you are. Mother Teresa wasn't good enough on her own. She needed the blood of Jesus. Hello? Martin Luther wasn't good enough on his own. He needed the blood of Jesus. John Wesley wasn't good enough on his own. He needed the blood of Jesus. We all need the blood of Jesus. And when it's applied to the threshold of our life, then we have covenant with him. He comes in, and we have relationship. We sup with him, and he with us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. That is the power of the blood covenant today. And that's the covenant that we've been invited into because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is exciting. I'm going to have the worship team come back at this time. You know, the writer of Hebrews also says that we have a better covenant based on better promises. So in other words, the threshold covenant that was based in the Old Testament on the blood of a lamb or the blood of a, of a, a goat or the blood of a, of a calf is inferior to the blood sacrifice of Jesus, the new covenant we have with his blood and all that it provides for us. And if you think it was good to be under the pre covenant protection of the heavenly father under the old covenant, how much better to be under it on the new covenant. Somebody say amen. The Bible says that his promises are yes 
and amen to them that believe. What does amen mean? It means make it so, as Captain Picard used to say. Let it be so, amen. That the promises of God are yes, and let it be so to them that believe. I don't know about you, that's pretty good stuff. And all made possible by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because the blood's been applied to your heart, the angel of death has to pass over. And we get eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's why for us, Paul says, oh grave, where's your sting? Death, where's your victory? Right? That they're taken away because of the sacrifice of Christ. They hold no power over us anymore. As Christians, we don't fear death. We recognize that death is but a pause and we move on to even greater relationship and depth with Christ than we enjoy today. But in the meantime, isn't it good to be in covenant with the king? The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 gave some instruction to the church about participation in the Lord's Supper. Looks like there was a little bit of church conflict happening at the time. Some people were treating it as a time to catch up on their daily calorie intake. Some people had issues with each other. And Paul brought instruction about the sacredness of this time gathering around and remembering Christ's sacrifice for us. And he said this in the scripture, he said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was, in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We stand today with a simple piece of unleavened bread and a cup representing his body and his blood. And when we partake of these together, there isn't any power in the emblems, but there is absolutely divine power in the one they represent. Amen? To change lives, to transform hearts, to literally change the destiny of an entire lineage when Jesus Christ is invited across that threshold to come into their life. And so we need to be grateful and participate, thankfully, with grateful hearts. And so as we do today, I'm going to ask Tom, if you would, to come and thank the Lord for sacrifice of his body, and then we'll partake of the emblem of his body together. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you so much for what you've done for us. Your body was broken for us by whose we, wounds we were healed. Amen. Spiritually, physically, and in every way, Lord. Because of you and your sacrifice, we remember that you've crowned us with loving kindness and mm -hmm. tender mercies, that we can at any time now, Father, enter boldly the throne room of grace to obtain grace and favor and help in time of need. Lord, as we take of your body this morning as a symbol, we remember that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the emblem of his body together.
on that same night which he presented his body he also held up a cup and he said this cup is a cup of the new covenant new covenant that was going to be written with his blood and as we partake of this emblem together we were remembering the blood that was shed for us and, and that blood that was in our mind seems kind of a strange thing that for us to understand but remember for those who who were from that culture the blood represented life whose life was given that we might have life and I'm gonna ask Pastor Mark if you would to thank the Lord for his precious blood Oh father after today and learning what we learned today it means so much more about what your son Jesus did on the cross God today I'm thankful that Jesus shed his blood on the cross so that on the door sill of our hearts God on the threshold of our hearts father we're no longer orphans we're no longer afraid yes. of the spirit of death God we're no longer looking uh, to be separated from family but you adopted us you called us in the home where we were safe and we found a home we found love we found acceptance we found belonging we found forgiveness all because of your life and death on the cross and resurrection. So we thank you, Jesus, uh, for the symbol of your blood. We accept the gift today. We accept you, Jesus. We accept what you did and that we are now belonging. We're now family yes. forever with you. So we thank you and we, we drink of this cup with gratitude and awe and worship today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's partake of the emblem of his blood today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to end the service this morning in a bit of a unique way where we have a new song that we're going to sing together that is an, a declaration of today but is also pointing to Sunday. Because as we go out today, and we're, we're, it's a somber day in the sense that we reflect upon the sacrifice that was made for us. We also know today was not in vain. That today is Friday, but Sunday's coming. Amen? And we know that Christ's sacrifice for each and every one of us paid the price. And that when he rose from the dead, it was the triumphant uh, power of saying that what was done on Friday was completed and what you will become eternally is also completed. And uh, he, we are being invited to step into a new type of existence never before seen until Jesus being the first fruits rose from the dead on Easter Sunday. So we're going to encourage you. Uh, those who are visiting from other churches, make sure you're in your house on Sunday, worshiping together. Amen. Those that are from this house, make sure you're here. And if you're from no house, make sure you're here or somewhere on Sunday, worshiping together with the saints of God in the city of Belleville, because it's the most important day of the year. Amen. We're going to invite you to stand together this morning. One of the things we like to emphasize uh, here at Desert Stream is Scripture tells us both in the Old Testament, but Peter also repeats it in the New Covenant, and he says that by his stripes we're healed. And I don't think that he was just talking about salvation. I believe that we're healed uh, spiritually, emotionally, physically, that the covenant of Christ covers us, body, soul, and spirit. Amen? And if you're here today and, and you've got a physical need, we just encourage you to put your hand up as we sing this song and, and other people can just lay hands on you and, and agree with you this morning because we believe that the prayer of faith doesn't require 
you know, the pastor or somebody with a, a, some kind of a degree or special knowledge to do it, but anybody who just agrees with you in faith is sufficient to see a miracle take place in their life. And so if you've got a need, just be bold. Just raise that hand up and somebody around you is going to lay hands on you, is going to agree with you in prayer as we sing this song together. And the worship team sings us. We're going to close with this song this morning. Let's worship the Lord together.
Like a bright or a gray, oh church arise, cause he's coming soon. <laughs> Amen. Friday's good because Sundays are coming. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you that, God, the blood has been applied to our life. That you have come in and taken up fellowship with us and invited us to be part of your family, just as you're part of ours. And, Father, we thank you, God, that because of all that you did through your Son, we have life. But, Father, we thank you, God, that as we gather on Sunday that Jesus didn't remain in the grave, his sacrifice was not in vain, he rose from the dead. And, Father, as we celebrate the triumph of life over death, the victory over, over destruction, the Father of grace over law, we thank you, God, that Jesus Christ has come and he's alive. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for all that you've done. We honor you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Have an amazing day in him, and we will see you on Sunday.